People are scared to take a financial step backwards for their happiness. It is almost unacceptable in almost all societies around the world to downsize your home. If we can ever eliminate that stigma in society, we'll have a much happier world because then people will do that, save dollars to be able to go after their dream. Gary Vaynerchuk is one of the world's leading marketing experts, a New York Times bestselling author, and an early pioneer in almost all internet trends. He started out by turning around his father's wine store into one of the first e-commerce companies and grew it from three to $60 million in five years. He's one of the loudest voices on social media and invested early in Facebook, Twitter, and Snap, along with building a company that has become one of the top media agencies in the world. I am surrounded because of the career that I've built for myself with very successful people in their 60s to 90s. Um, t- that generation, a high percentage of them, are deeply unhappy. Wise. One of Gary's main narratives is to redefine the traditional view of what success looks like. And from not being able to afford a team jersey, Gary has set his goal to buy the entire New York Jets team. Welcome to Stockholm. Welcome to beautiful Burns Hotel, where we're now. Um, you were in Sweden. Yes. Thanks for coming out, just for me. Just for this. I got the email, I got on the first <laughs> yeah. flight, and I'm here. <laughs> so if you ever want to reach Gary, just send <laughs> a lot email. of emails. It's actually true, by the way. <laughs> you know, staying on top of the inbox. I heard that once, like, when you're gonna... <laughs> it was someone who reached the, uh, like, one of the founders of Google, mm-hmm. and suddenly he got a reply, and he asked why, and it was like, yeah, we were top of my inbox, you know? I still do it to this day. And from 2007 to 2011, when I was starting to gain popularity, I replied to every email. Yourself? Myself. It was, it was just what I thought was the right thing to do. I yeah. was flattered to get them. I'm still flattered to get them. Somewhere along the way, the math became overwhelming. <laughs> but it's still something I think fondly of. Those, you know, especially those long flights catch getting to inbox zero was like it was kind of like taking a shower you know and um and to this day random dms people in my text messages because i have a service called community in the u.s oh it's great uh, dms on instagram and and email is really how i do it community is where you put your phone number mm-hmm. in the bio you can text right yeah it's amazing it's a really good platform and it's actually funny i interviewed uh, kabi lama the world's yes. second biggest tiktoker and yes. i asked him how he reached his manager and uh he watched his manager watch twitch and mm-hmm. then it was him and 100 others he sent him 100 dms and last lastly the manager responded so i mean it definitely Tena- works you know tenacity matters you know i think the tact when you're trying to reach someone matters as well some people can come off incredibly entitled, can come off incredibly unsettling. But there are many people who will email or DM or reach out 7, 12, 40 times, and I'm incredibly comfortable with it because I can sense the tenacity balance. It's a humble Mm. hunger versus an anxious expectation. Yeah. Right? And so, because they come in both forms. It's either very frantic and almost like you owe them, and and mm. they just think that, and then they watch something like this, and they're like, oh, I'll just email every day. But when there's no soul behind it, whereas other times you can tell that the person's being thoughtful, they understand that you're you on the other side are trying, mm. uh, you know, and and I appreciate that, and and I get excited sometimes when I'm able to get to it. Like many times, 
in the last 15 years, especially the last five years, as more demand has come my way, I actually get a sense of enjoyment when I'm like, you know what? This is, gonna, this is the time I'm going to reply to Carol Thompson or Steve Johnson. Because like, you see them, you see them, you see them, but you're trying. And for people that are listening or watching, when you have somebody on the other end who's getting bombarded with demand, many of those individuals actually really want to do it. But for me, for example, where it really went awry was I had to take a step back and say, look, my family, my own health and well-being and really the responsibility of the 2,000 employees I have, I started realizing six years ago, five years ago, I'm like, damn it, I'm more accessible to a person that reaches out to me for the first time than somebody within my own organization. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've had to make those adjustments, but I still fight. I'm the flight here from New York to Sweden, snuck in a couple email replies and a couple <laughs> DMs. Like, I'm, believe it or not, that's the biggest thing I miss about traveling. For the last two years, Zoom... I am programmed like a robot. Yeah. Pure efficiency. I used to reply to people because I would get up and go to the bathroom in between meetings in my office, and that's where I would get certain things done. With Zoom, it's like, there was no serendipity time. The airport and traveling was when I would catch up with friends, catch up with my family, catch up with like the fans and the community that got wiped the last two years. And so it's um, now that we're just starting to come out of our shell. I am actually enjoying it. I missed it, and I knew I would. I've loved so many things about the new world of you know not having to fly to Chicago for one meeting and fly back. It's good on your health, all that. I'm excited about both. I'm a very big and guy. I think most of the world's problems, most people think the world is about or. Mm. This is right mm. versus that, or it's this or that. And I think it's and. And so I'm excited about the digital world and the physical world. And, uh, and that's how I think about it. And uh, speaking of flights, when you have a, you know, it's a long flight from the U.S. to Europe, U.S. to Sweden, do you stay connected on the flight or do you get that six, seven hours offline, which is like the only, you know? There's actually some videos running around from 2010, 11 of me that says my favorite thing in the world is flights because I'm disconnected. Yeah. It's like or- the airplane and the shower, like literally the bathroom and the airplane. And then obviously the airplane went away. And listen, it's pretty awesome to be on the, you know, I still think it's one of the coolest things to have the internet in a plane. Like technology is amazing. I don't tend to get disconnected. The flight I took specifically for this trip is my most challenging flight. The 8 p.m. New York flight to London or Sweden or Europe is a killer for me because it's too early for me to go to sleep. Uh, yeah. I only sneak in three or four usually. I love sleeping. A lot of people see my energy. They think I'm who I am and they're like, Gary doesn't sleep. I'm like, I sleep a lot. Seven, eight. I sleep very adequately. I'm usually, I'm a great sleeper too. Knock on wood, I don't want to jinx that. This one's the challenging one because you land and it's the next day. Have you had good sleep or long sleep throughout your career? Or is this something that happened like- my career. You know, it's funny. Prior to sleep. I, I've always, I honestly, it's not even that I'm like thoughtful or brilliant or smart about it or was educated. The only thing I think I'm great at is being me. I really believe that. I think self-awareness and leaning and lack of judgment on one's shortcomings are two incredible ingredients. Sleep falls into that category. I just have always needed to sleep you know, I wasn't functional. I'm not functional at three, four, five. I don't feel great. I don't know why I would do that. And I've always thought people were confused about time. 
you know, the badge of like, I work 18 hours a day. I love that. But I also work 18 hours a day incredibly effectively. So my 18 hours are like some people's month. Hmm. And so whether I get seven hours of work in, in a day, because that's the serendipity of what's up my life or an hour or 18 and it ebbs and flows, always 10, 11, 12. I, I love working. I'm effective. And I, I've always, you know, some of my friends over the last four or five years when I've created better clarity on how I do this, they're like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm out grinding you, Gary. I'm going 18 hours a day. I'm like, listen, I'm, I was, I'm like, yeah, but you watched three hours of YouTube videos. <laughs> like, like being effective and efficient in your time. And, and that's why I've always been very okay with progressive thinking when people thought I wouldn't. You know, yeah. when they're like, oh, four, out, four, four day work week. A lot of my friends in the last three, four years are like, you hate that shit, right? I'm like, not necessarily. I actually love it. I would love for the world to be off for three days because then I could get three days. I could get more rest. It's what do you do in those four days? Yeah. But isn't that affected a lot about this like FaceTime culture? That is, you know, a lot. It's different in different countries, I guess. But yes. like if you're in... My experience from big corporations is, is that you're expected to stay there until your boss goes, 100%. and then that can follow you even if you start your own company, 100%. because you feel satisfied in a way if you just stay there for a long time. Yeah, and like by the way, I grew up with that. My dad had a liquor store. We opened and closed the store. Yeah. I don't even know what it meant to leave something that you were doing early. Yeah, I wasn't in office culture <laughs> when I got when I started VaynerMedia. I'm like, when's the right time to leave? You know, like. Yes, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. But this goes back to the bigger point that I focus on, which is like, whether you love me or hate me, whether you love somebody who's got a different point of view on the world or hate them and everything in between, you need to figure yourself out. The end. Like, there's people that work nine to three, four days a week. There's people that work 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week, and everything in between and there's ways to do it well, and there's ways to not do it well, all in between. And the question becomes, who are you? One of the things that is incredibly scary for me in my growth of popularity is I don't want people to parrot me. I want them to parrot me in the concept of fighting for happiness through self-awareness and then doing things that fulfill you. But I don't want them to directly copy me and I think that that's a big responsibility that I think anybody that gains popularity, whatever you're doing works for you. Communicate in a way of what the bigger framework of that is, not the individuality. Gary, what's your morning routine? And people ask me that as if that morning routine would work for them. Yeah, and then they got to be successful right. if they... Right. I, I wake up and look at my phone immediately because I have a global company and I'm worried that Singapore had a fire in the building the night before. Like, I have responsibilities. Other people want to meditate for 30 minutes before they touch technology. That sounds brilliant to me. Like, when, pe my, when my friends are like, Gary, you got to do what I do. I wake up, and then I meditate for an hour. Don't even look at the phone. I'm like, that's brilliant. For me, I actually release anxiety by looking quickly and making sure nothing's on fire because anything that's, like, bad, we lost a client, this person quit. Like normal stuff that people mm. think, that isn't, like my great strength as an entrepreneur and a businessman is I actually don't give a shit about the business. Let me break it down. I love the art of the game more than the trophies that come from the game. So for me, losing a client is not fun. I don't want to, but I'm not crushed because of the revenue. Mm. I live within my means. 
now, now all of a sudden my saving money content's about to do well. <laughs> I've been putting out all this saving money content. Nobody likes it at all. I'm like, ugh, I have a funny feeling it's about to become very popular. When you have a lot of responsibilities, you have different frameworks. Yeah. And so, but by the way, and this is very important to hear, and this is, I hope helps someone. But if tomorrow I decide I want to meditate for an hour because I convinced myself, well, I could have just slept an extra hour. So what's the difference? Because that's logical. Then I will. And I think too many people struggle with changing their mind. Mm. For me, it's one of the things I'm most proud of. I mean, speaking of, of self-awareness, I think that's such an interesting concept and uh, it totally depends on the context you're in. But what's your advice to people watching or listening that, you know, they really feel they haven't found themselves and they try to copy these, you know, wake up early tips or whatever it is, but it might not fit them. Like, how do they back out or zoom out the filter they're in? My concern, even when you ask that question is, this is why I struggle with the way we do education in the world. I genuinely believe that we take very young human beings and we force them into thinking there's a structural right way to do things and conforming to a right? Most people who are like, I don't know that, oh, what I'm doing, what, it's because they subconsciously think there's a right way. The right way for every person listening right now is to take one thing from me, two from this person, one from that, two. And, and it's not taking for that. That is you. There are many things that I hear from the most successful, most happy people I know. And I'm like, yep. And there's other things I'm like, nope. And da, 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 da. This this world is struggling to be comfortable in their own skin. I actually believe, here's a wild one. I've been really working on this one in the lab. I'm about to put it out to the world a little bit. I actually believe that most people know what their passion is and what would make them happy. I believe most people talk themselves out of it because they think it's silly or they can't make money. And I keep telling people, video games was not a profession when I was growing up but most of my friends were passionate and almost all of them, if they just stayed the course into video games, would have made more money. The kids I grew up with would have made more money being a video game podcaster than an executive at a retail company, a lawyer. Like, I think it's a pretty profound point of view. And the reason I'm still sitting with it, and I know I just put it out there and I've subtly put it out there in the past. I really want to keep working it in my brain, observing, reading emails and comments but there's something there that feels right to me. I think people know. They just don't want to say that I want to sing because they think they have to be Beyonce. And my yeah. point is just sing and make 53,000 a year and live under 45,000 a year costs. But then you're happy because you're fucking singing. Yes, you do not have a private plane. But guess what? Most of the people I know on earth that have a private plane are miserable. Yeah. So what the fuck are we talking about here? Right? And that is why I'm passionate. One of the struggles I have is my great passion is to redefine success as being content and happy. The problem I have with that is I'm financially successful. I try to remind people, but they don't believe it, that when I was doing the entrepreneur thing in the 80s and 90s, that was bad. Bad for you. Bad for, yes. It was that it wasn't going to work out. I'm a loser. I'm bad mm. at school, right? Mm -hmm. But I was so about my art that I had to do it anyway. So I've been a weird way lived the majority of my first 25 years on earth under the context of, I don't care, I'm just gonna do me. Later, it worked out for me 
one, because I had the talent, but two, it's crazy to take photos. You know, we're welcome taking photos. Entrepreneurs weren't cool 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any status in culture like that. So that worked out. If you even deem that as working out, I can tell you right now, there's a lot of negative ramifications that a pure business person like myself has that comes along with notoriety. It's not all roses. I love it because I love people. But most people don't love people. Like, I need people. Like, I love people. Look what just happened with us. I'm at a very serious conference. I just got off stage. I knew this was in the air, you know, and you came up and said, hey. I'm like, if I don't say yes right now, then I'm not going to have time to do this. And so he's going to be disappointed. That's literally what just happened. I was like, fuck it, let's go. We walked through the fucking rain and we're sitting here right now. But I do that at scale. Like, I like the stranger on the bus. I like, like, and so, you know, I was born for this era. Not because I have gift of gab or I'm an entrepreneur, but because I really, genuinely love people so much so that I struggle with how much people love animals. This is true. I actually live life wondering if everybody loved each other as much as everybody loves dogs, would the world be different? And the answer is yes. 100%. So not that I don't like dogs. I know all my friends like to razz me about that. You don't like dogs? I'm like, no, I'm fine with fucking dogs, but I love people more. And I wish (laughs) people loved people more because most people like animals that don't talk back more. Do you know, you don't know, but the... The moment I started really digging your content was when I was hearing you really swear a lot and curse a lot on stage. <laughs> in Sweden, you can curse how much you want. There's no censorship here. So just go fucking nuts if I you love want. It. I love it. I did it. As <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, but I'm only good as, at being me. I hit the scene uh, in the tech business world on stage in 2000, 2007, 2009. I guess people have told you not to curse. This is a big thing. I hit the scene in 2006, seven. I'd never spoken. I was 32 years old. I didn't even think about being a personality. The wine show took me to a different place. I'm like, what? I'm a businessman. I'm like, okay, let me. That was right after the YouTube show started. Mm -hmm. I do my first talk, I think in 2007 or eight, I think 2007. First time on stage. It was like, I found my home. This is why I push people to try different things. I don't know what my passion is, Gary. Good. Spend the next three years trying stuff. Take a cooking class, go skiing, play board games, drink wine, drink bourbon, drink sake, eat strawberries, get into sneakers. Like, you're not going to know unless you try, right? So it's a fun, everyone's so upset and disappointed. They don't know their passion. And I tell them, this is the best day of your life. You get to explore for the next three years. Just do a bunch of things. And so I found my home. I was like, oh my God, I'm great at this. Like, I, I knew it. Because I suck at a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? I, I know when I suck. I can't do anything. I can't, I can't even rollerblade or skateboard or ice skate or ski. Like, I know what it feels like to not be good at something. But I have very good hand-eye coordination. So I'm good at ping pong and darts. So I know good and bad. I did the stage. And I'm like, I'm good at this. Mm. And I loved it. And so I start popping off. And I'm getting booked. Now we're in 2008, something? Yep, no. 2008, 2009. And... I'm getting a lot of emails before I had anybody represent my speaking saying, hey, you should stop cursing. Nobody will ever take you serious. Hey, you need to wear a suit on stage. Nobody will ever take you serious. And I just remember thinking, I don't want to be taken serious then. Like, I just don't want to do that. I'm okay with not making more money like everyone told me. Gary, you'll make so much more money speaking 
if you stop cursing. You fast forward 15 years later, now everyone's casual. Who, yeah. I mean, I don't even, I don't know the last, I, I saw somebody wear a suit today. I was like, that's nice. Like, like, you know, I actually want to start wearing suits because I think it's like a counterculture move, <laughs> you know, like, and so I'm not joking, by the way, I wore a nice Please suit do. to a wedding. I wore a nice suit to the, a wedding uh, six months ago. I'm like, this is nice. This feels nice. <laughs> like pocket square. That's the way it was supposed to be. I think, you know, you were supposed to just, dress up. It wasn't and, supposed to and, be the normal. And that's why I keep pushing the kids and even 50 year olds. I'm like, you know what? What's supposed to be? What's supposed to be? Everything that's supposed to be changes anyway, yeah. right? Everything changes. Everything changes. And so you just got to be you. I sometimes think, I totally agree with, I think we all have it in us. And I think when you go to sleep at night, a lot of people, you know what it is you that know. you want. You know. But for some of those you're reasons. Scared. You're scared. You're scared of people's judgment. Yeah. Before you made it. Before you made it. Yeah. You're scared of what people are going to think. People <laughs> Man, I, you know I pound on this. People are scared to take a financial step backwards for their happiness. There's, I mean, it is almost unacceptable in almost all societies around the world, I get to travel a lot, to downsize your home. Sell your home or apartment and get a smaller one. Mm. That is like... No. No. Whereas for me, I've loved the last 20 years of my career where I do things and then do less versions of them because I need to save money for something. It's a very real thing for me. People are worried about what people perceive. You had a Lexus, now you have a Toyota. That's a problem. It's, it's down. Yeah. Whereas for me, if we can ever eliminate that stigma in society, we will have a much happier world because then people will do that, save dollars to be able to go after their dream. I can't be a singer and do open mics and not make money, I've got to keep being this corporate mm. executive. Well, you don't have to if you can downsize. But then imagine people with families. I have incredible empathy. If you're a mother or father and you're the breadwinner to the organization and you come home and now you're taking to, and now that your kids have to share a room, who no. wants to come home mm. and see their seven and four year old go from their own rooms and a nice backyard and we're going to move to a neighborhood that might be not as nice? no backyard, and you're sharing a room, that is very challenging. The problem is, I think if someone is living unhappy, much bigger challenges are in front. Resentment, unhappiness, alcoholism, escapism, in all sorts of different ways that tend to lead to problems. You must get a lot of emails, though, from people who have tried this, like gotten over, you know, if you are you have this job and you're having this career progression and the ladder, but suddenly they take the step out. I guess you get those emails too with people thanking you for inspiring them to do that. Like, what do they say? The people that actually downsize their homes. Let me give you one that will surprise everybody. You know which email is most important of all those? The one that failed on trying to do the other thing and email me and thank me because they will never wonder what if. That's that's when I, you know, watch this. See it? Yeah. That, That is when I knew I had something. When I was doing it and doing it, see, this is what's why I read my emails. I talk about things differently because I have a different communication style, but I talk about different things because I read my messages. Mm. So Did you do it all yourself, like or I do, do you- it all myself. Oh. I do it all because I need to synthesize it. Yeah. I can get data. My team can make it, but if my team presents it to me, they've looked at it first and vanilla it down. I need to see it. If you would estimate how many messages you'd get in a, I don't know, a week or whatever, like, what are we talking about? I must have, like, skyrocketed. Oh, it's absurd. <laughs> I probably get 5,000 messages a day. 
between DMs on social, email. Out of those 4,500 are podcasts. <laughs> requests, you mean? Yeah. yeah, I get a lot of podcast requests. That's very true. During these interviews, I've traveled around and spent a lot of time in many different airports and airplanes. And if you traveled from any of the major Nordic airports last year, you probably know of the security lines that were three hours long and that we had a so-called mountain of luggage. And I learned the hard way because that's where my bag was buried for weeks. So that's why I'm very happy to announce SQL's partnership with American Express. And I've been an American Express Platinum member since a long time. And that's just saved me so much time and headache in traveling especially. And as a member, you can use a fast track line to skip the waiting in security at selected airports. And their travel insurance is one of the strongest on the market. So when my bag was lost, I was reimbursed for buying a set of new clothes and they help you with many other things that can go wrong when you travel. So if you also want less headaches and a better experience when traveling, you can find out more about the Platinum Card in the description below or on the American Express website. You know, and so anyway, going back to bring value to everybody, when I started seeing hundreds over the course of a year, not every day, two a day, one a day, five a day, one every three days, just want to thank you, you read. I was this, I took this jump, I opened a restaurant for two years, I want you to know, and you, and you know, when I'm reading it, I'm a bad reader too. I think, I just want you to know, I'm about to hear like, it's a success. I just want you to know we shut down the restaurant yesterday. And I just want to tell you that I'm so happy I experienced it. And sometimes wow. it's funny stuff. I realized it wasn't as much as what I wanted, or I'm just glad I did it for a year and I got it out of my system. Or it made me realize I actually love law. I love that one. Yeah. It made me realize I loved being a doctor. I thought I wanted to be an artist, but after two years of not being a doctor and doing this artist thing, I can't wait to go back to my practice. And I'm like, this is awesome. The grass wasn't greener. The grass wasn't greener, or you appreciated something when you were away from it because you took it for granted. And so we just aren't curious enough. We don't explore enough. We don't draw outside the lines enough as humans. Mm. I always have all those things. And I'm very grateful for the fact that I live in a time where I can use modern technology to get out the things that I believe in and that it's caught a lot of people's attention. Um, you kind of pioneered the long form yes. content where it was chopped up to smaller yes. pieces. How do you, you know, I really admire your, your, your intuition and your vision. How do you see this extrapolate into the future? Like are, are your kids, More. like what are they going to live in? More. What kind of world? More. So we're all going to become creators. If you're a lawyer today, is that like, what can they gain from, you know, clients? It just depends what you want. For me, what I love about it, content creation is selfless and selfish behaviors in one format. Meaning, those emails of like, thank you, or like, you've seen some of this stuff, like you've saved my life. I mean, that's fucking crazy. It's cr I don't even know how to explain it to you. I don't know how to explain it to anybody who's listening right now what it feels like to have someone look you in the eyes with tears in their eyes and say that they were going to take their life and one video you made made them stop. They went into rehab. This happened. Their brother did this for them and now they're alive and they want to thank you. And that happens to me abruptly in an airport. or at, And I always tell my mom or dad because that's who I'll usually talk to about it when I catch up with them or when it happens, I'll call them because... In a lot of ways, everything I am for me is just a byproduct of them. So like, it's really funny. 
the, uh, for people out there listening, and I know you have some of these listeners who are getting success, let me give you one that will really help you a lot. And it may not sound like good medicine at first, but I'm telling you, every compliment I get, Gary, you're the goat. You're the, the, the right? Every one of them, my brain says, because my mom and dad made me. Everything that says you're shit, Gary, you're a snake oil salesman, you're a piece of shit, I take on accountability. It has worked for me. It keeps me very, like, even keeled. The accolades, I don't let get to my head, keeping me humbled. The pushback, I accept accountability and try to understand why they want to push back, which keeps me very grounded. And I'm just right here. And I think most people do the reverse. The compliments... That's what they love. And what do they do mm. when they hear bad stuff? Like, well, my mom fucked me up. Mm. So anyway, that's how I think about it. Given the context and the times we're in crypto markets yes. and NFTs. Yes, I, think I love it's very, it. No, it's perfect. I yeah. mean, I'm so pumped about being on interviews for the next six months. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Yeah. You know, as so, it seems like you consume my content. I'd like to, you know, this is what's great about having receipts on the internet. I've been making videos for a full year saying 99% of these projects are going to zero. And what's happening now? And 99% are going to zero. <laughs> and, and so I'm excited because there was a lot of bad behavior, scams, people only in it for the money, which is fine. People are allowed to do that. But like, you know, money doesn't have soul. You know, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. And I, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I'm fine with money. I don't, I don't deem it. I hate when people are like, they made money. They're bad. That mm-hmm. is, that's completely unacceptable mm-hmm. in my opinion as well. However, on the flip side, we are now because of the correction, the bear market in the most fun part. Because I've been through this. I was there in 2000 when the internet stocks failed and everyone said the internet was a fad. It was earlier than that because Windows 95 was a real big play into the internet. Like, so, but I like when the crash happens. I liked when the recession happened in 2008. And I liked when Facebook stock opened at 42 and went to 19. And all the real businessmen and women around me were like, see, social media was a fad. See, Facebook's not a real company. I'm like, okay, whatever. I only look at the customer. Do you understand that every kid under 18 was trained trained on Roblox and Minecraft and Fortnite and Madden? Like, what do you think they're going to do with digital assets? It's going to go from collectibles with a hint of utility to utility with a hint of collectability. And that's what this era is going to force. Now that people are not going to pay $50,000 for a pumpkin with a cigar on it, people are going to ask, what do I get by owning this NFT? And once people understand that sentence, what do I get? I know that many people had the best four-day weekend that they had three weeks ago in Minnesota because they owned a V-Friend, which gave them a ticket to VCon, and they had their Comic-Con, their Coachella, their ah. Mardi Gras, uh, and I'm very proud of that. And I think I will continue to build utility. And now the good stuff will happen. So I think the greed, the short-term behavior will get fixed. I think there's still a lot of pain in front. I don't think we're at the bottom. Because I think the global economy is in deep shit. Like inflation's real. Like there's, so I think there's some more shaking out to do. Um, and then I think in the next five years, we will see profound technologies built on top of the consumer blockchain and i will clip this video in nine years and you'll smile and be like that's you know and i'll when it's clear to the whole world that the blockchain is as important as the internet and we 
we own NFTs to do things. Do you see similarities in the early days of social media? Because you were really early yes, into that. Very much. The only difference was there wasn't greed from everybody. There was greed in VCs and startup people. There was hundreds of social networks that went out of business. Hundreds. So I, I met a guy who uh, sold his company to Facebook. And I was like, what, what did you do? Oh, I, I took Facebook and I made it red instead of blue. <laughs> yeah. That was it. There was, there was, there was things like Bebo. Bebo, AOL bought Bebo for $850 million. <laughs> like, so, you know, there's always that stuff. It happens. But I think, you know, this is a very exciting time where I think the real stuff's next. Okay. This is a question that I love. Is there something that you believe that most others do not at all? Yes. I believe nice guys finish first in business. And? The world doesn't. Most people don't think there's a place, like they think you get run over. I think people that say, and by the way, here come the comments already. Gary, that's bullshit. I'm a nice guy. I actually love talking to people who claim that I'm wrong. When I talk to them for like seven minutes, eight, there's only two things that happen. Nine out of 10 of them have one of two situations. One, they are so afraid of conflict with you? With no, in their scenarios. Oh. They're scared. They don't have the ability to be candorous. Mm. Mm. Thus, they get walked all over, but it's really on them because of their fear of being candorous. Mm. They're not authentic and they fear conflict and they can't be candorous. That is not the other person's fault. And believe it or not, I've had, I'm great as a public figure with candor, but I've had my struggles operating in, in my life. Or number two, they're manipulating. There's a lot of people who love to say they're nice. Do you know how many people try to do nice things for me? <laughs> Gary, I'll, Gary, I see you're flying to Sweden. I'd love to pick you up at the airport and drive you to the hotel. <laughs> I'm like, that's very, very nice. But what I know what that email is actually saying is, I'd like, you to pitch my, I'd like to pitch you my business or ask you for advice for 45 minutes after an eight-hour flight on the way. To, you know, and, and I'm very flattered, but let's call a spade a spade. That wasn't a kind act. Mm. That was an act grounded in, I'll do this because I want to ask you this. There's so many people that will do something for you with full intent of asking for something far greater Mm. on the other end. Mm. That's not kindness. That's manipulation. Mm -hmm. So I tell the nice guys and gals that don't believe in what I'm saying to really look inside themselves and understand, are you manipulating to an outcome you want? Are you, are you lacking the ability to be candorous, thus rendering the other person to not even know what's happening because you're keeping it inside, or you actually finishing last as a a nice guy. There's also this part. You may be nice. You also might not be talented. Like, you know, and, and what does finishing first and last mean? My point of nice guys finish first is you will feel good about yourself. I am surrounded because of the career that I've built for myself with very successful people in their 60s to 90s, um, t- that generation, a high percentage of them are deeply unhappy. And why is that? They burned bridges. They, they compromised their value systems. They For their success. Correct. Money. Again, I want everybody here. I'm trying to make money. I want to buy the New York Jets. They're expensive. It's not the money part. It's that people were convinced that money would make them happy. Money's not the problem. The narrative is the problem. 
And that's why I'm passionate about changing the narrative. Doing what you love and living within the means of what that thing pays you, whether it's $50,000 or $50 million, is the game. You know how many people make a million dollars a year very stressed right now because they overextended themselves? They bought a plane and a, and a house and a second house and yeah. a third house and, 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 and hard done. to get sneakers and watch, <laughs> right? It's not about how much you make. It's how much you save. It's how you manage it. And most importantly, your relationship with it. And most importantly, your relationship with your own values and who you are. Money is not going to make you happier. It's just a proven fact at this point. We have to stop acting like it does. When are you going to buy the New York Jets? You want a real, I'll leave you with a bomb. The realest answer, and I've never said this publicly, is... Next week. No, I wish. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I really believe it's going to happen, which is crazy because a million things have to happen besides even the insane wealth creation, which is going to be very hard. I, I hope it's as late as possible. Yeah, because of what's next. Well, listen, I want to win a Super Bowl and all that. Like, I, I'm excited to operate. But I, what I would say is if God came down and she or he said to me, how do you want it? I would say, give it to me with 10 years to live and let me get one Super Bowl in that window. Not because of anything else, but because the process of trying to get them is the great joy of my professional life. The thrill of the hunt yeah. is so much more fun than the kill. Yeah. That's what you always realize when you stand it's there. It's so real for me. I've been so, it's so real for me. Would you say that you've felt like more happy when you've been in those real grind moments than in almost any other? It's not even a comparison. I actually struggle with my notoriety. I'm in the point of my career where it's hard for me to do something and peep and like, universally everyone thinks it's not going to be successful that's my favorite i love when the world's against me as a matter of fact the nft thing's pretty yeah. fun i was gonna I'm say pretty happy must have had a lot of that of course but then it was so successful but yeah. now nfts as a macro has got pressure and i'm like this is good i like it so yeah all right now i really have to go see ya thank you so much you're welcome <laughs> you're the best